Hi, friends. Welcome to the Blunt and Curious podcast. This is Erica. And this is Pam. And we're learning to be authentic through having real conversations. So please join us for this episode of the Blunt and Curious. Oh, Erica, it's so weird. Jumping into this episode on joy for closing out our series of Black Women Did It First feels so crazy today of like going into doing these intros and giving people like an insight to why we're doing what the episode is. It's always been we've needed it and I don't need to speak for you. I've hella needed joy today. And so I'm so excited that we're getting to close out this series with a two-part um, episode for what is joy? Like, and what is joy to our folks that were our guests for this? And I love that India and Jamaica got to close us out with so many tips on joy and their experiences with starting with this one. So um, just to recap, if everybody has not listened to the first few parts of Black Women Did It First, stop here, totally go back. Or if you need joy first to go back, then keep listening and we'll talk about the joy in this episode. Um, But definitely feel so honored that they express joy and like all the feels with us. And it was totally a good summation of laughing and crying um, over the entire series. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think, I think it was the perfect way to end the series because essentially we could keep talking about all the difficult stuff and all the stuff that we as white folks specifically need to face and deal with and work through and acknowledge and all that jazz, right? Like we could, we could make that our podcast, but that wasn't really the intention of the podcast. You know what I mean? And like, I think there's only so much of like, obviously we need to learn and continue to learn, but there comes a time where you have to take a little bit of a breather and just say, okay, we've waded through a lot of really difficult things, a lot of really painful things. Let's bring in some joy, right? Like it's like what I was just talking about on Instagram, like days ago when I decided to post my meltdown because I felt like it, right? We have to release all the pain and the hurt and the frustration so that we can make room to bring in the joy. And I think that that at least I hope that that is what this series has done, has provided a space for a release of of pain and and hard stuff and emotions that just need to come out to make room to bring in some joy. And I am so thrilled that we were able to do that. Um, And I can't wait to share it with y'all. Yeah. So even before we get into this, a bit of background. So For those of you that have listened to the first few parts, we talk about heavy shit Um, and our guests were very honest, living in their authenticity of their stories, their experiences, frustrations. We did cry. We did laugh. We drank a lot. We had lots (laughs) of snacks, but I love the pod of community that we've made through it. And we still had a couple of uh, other topics that were on the list of desired things that we 
all wanted to talk about between between you and I, Eric, of questions we had for India, Jamaica, and Travel to then their desired topics of these things of release and space of what we wanted to talk about around education, religion, spirituality, politics, the ickiness happening around us with innocent lives being taken, all of it. And I I text everybody as we were getting ready to do this last episode. It was like, hey, are we covering, are we covering these like final topics? That we have a couple of outliers. And Jamaica just was like, can we talk about joy? <laughs> like, can we talk <laughs> about black joy? And just to appreciate and honor the women, the black women of the past, the present, and the future that make us who we are. And that hit hard. And I don't know if it is just because of the, the heaviness that we're all like sitting in to a reality that we had made this space. We had made this space to go to that place of joy. And it was, the, it was our guest call though. It was our guest call to make that decision. And that was Jamaica's experience. And I'm so thankful that she shared that with us to let us know that, you know, it did come in the space of release to be able to then sit and joy. And so going into this episode, I, um, Erica, you and I do not talk about a lot of the black women in our life that have brought us joy, continue to bring us joy. Um, and the, the future black women of tomorrow that we support and love already. However, I'm so excited for everybody to hear other stories. So then I love that I got to do this with India and Jamaica, Travel. We missed you for this part, but getting to talk about my experience with them as the first, some of the first black women in my life in certain seasons, it's really cool, but I wanted to make sure that going into this episode, I did talk about one particular woman, the first black woman in my life that changed my life to my recollection Though my mom did point out my first babysitter that wasn't family um, is probably how I understood to love soul food the way that I did because (laughs) I had a a black babysitter um, as a four-year-old and I had totally forgotten about that, but my mama did it right with putting me in the right spaces with the right community. But the first, (laughs) the black woman that changed my life is the reason I have an education, reason I've been able to persevere through a many of things and I can't not thank Dr. Catherine uh, Spears and she is now remarried and living with her husband in Louisiana and still doing work like still doing work and she was one of the first black women on the board at ETBU which is how I even got to meet Jamaica and Travel is because I went to ETBU following in her footsteps but it was it's been cool to like wrap this series and have a space to give credit and admiration to Dr. Catherine for the fact that she believed in me as like young as a 10 year old to being able to see that I wanted to learn. And she educated me early on, not just in a space as she was my associate pastor actually. And being in the South, as we've talked about in the prior episodes with the girls, just like the differences of like, how we thought the North and the South was different, but there's like very culture similarities for you in Maine, but in the typical understanding of the United States for Southern living, you didn't find many women preachers, uh, much less black women preachers. And I grew up in a community of quite a few, thankfully, but Dr. Catherine even recently came back into my life in a more direct space and 
saw me in a new way and was able to, and it was in January, the week before we released the podcast, actually. And she was one of the first people that allowed me space to preach from a pulpit, to actually like act in ministry, to get me into college. Like I was not going to go to school in a healthy manner, probably if it had not been for a black woman doing it first, my family didn't do it in the same way. Um, And she was one of the first of like to continue on to get her PhD in her immediate family. But she made known to me to keep talking to keep living and to keep loving in the way that I have persevered and what pulling the layers back looks like. And where seasons of my life, I was confused that she wasn't present or that she didn't have a lot of things to say when some stuff got icky in my old like church days. And we've talked about that in my spirituality and coming out of what that season looked like. In this January, even eight years post some of these questions for me, she goes, I did not need to bother you then. You were peeling back the layers and I love seeing the love. And she's still full-time ministry and wants me to be a part of it, even though I have a very different Christian perspective. And just, just being able to have that experience to going into what our podcast has been to allowing the space and to sitting in it. I couldn't not think about it all during the recording with Jamaica and India to then post recording and getting ready for us to release it. You know, it was a go. It's truly incredible for me right now I'm having this moment and this could totally be like a guided message that I'm having this but I'm just reflecting on when you first told me about how she had reached out to you um in January and not even you know because I wasn't in full-blown podcast mindset then right I didn't really combine all the things together but now sitting in reflection now I'm like Oh, she, she knows when you need her to come and say what she needs to say. And she knows how to motivate you for things that are going to push you to be the best version of yourself. And here she comes again at the perfect time when you are starting to really, truly, I mean, you've always been using your voice. It's always something I've really admired and adored about you is that you have no fear in using your voice since I've met you, but in this way that we're doing right now is like, I feels like a different level of it, right? Like, yep. cause it is a little more vulnerable. We're just like conversationally mm. pretty much putting it out there. Right. So it is, it's a, it gets a little deeper than that, but I'm just like, whoa, I'm having yeah. one of those moments. Well, cause if you, like, I, it's so funny that you bring that back up. I wasn't even going to go into that, but I think that's super real, especially for the card reading that we start this episode with actually. So this is totally a divine spirit space. So I'm very thankful, but it was that week that I talked to her. It was the first full week of January. And so it was your birthday week. My mom was in the hospital with COVID and we were going to not release on our original date and like we we're going to push and because we were like how I, I was like Erica I'm not going to be able to do any of these things like how can I emotionally like be prepared 
for this. And you were totally going to allow me the space for that. We could pivot, we could make a choice. And I don't even know that I had connected the dots in the same way in January of being able to see what that need was. And it's like, Dr. Catherine's always been doing that thing. And I, I still to this day call her Pastor Catherine because I mean, she has been like my teacher, my shepherd from the time that I started listening. Uh, <laughs> and I was very selective listener. I still very selective <laughs> listener, but <laughs> it's crazy to just think about that and to see the validation from people that you care about. And honestly, as icky as the fucking year has been and how India started even in the first episode of recording. And we talked about like, Why did it take so many white people until 2020? Why did it take so many white people until watching George Floyd be lynched on TV to wake the fuck up? Um, I don't know why it's taken another like full circle for me to like even sit in some (laughs) joy, but like, I'm just like, damn. Um, But going into that, I'm just like, it's so crazy to all of those moments of divine positive and I mean kind of like you're gonna hear Jamaica go into about Grandma Jackie I Dr. Catherine is a black woman with a lot of interesting stories and the hurts and the pains and the experience but in the joy and she has chosen always always to educate and to speak truth and love. And that was something she said to me again in January. And I was like, we have to keep moving. We have to release this podcast because what else do we have than getting to hear people's experiences? So it's, it's crazy to get to go into it, but I couldn't not take a moment to be able to reflect on that. And we (laughs) had a moment of our own joy in the making of the introduction of this final <laughs> two-parter of the series about joy. Ah, oh, I love me some joy right now. I needed that tonight. I don't know if you needed that, but I needed that. <laughs> I, I'm actually just laughing because I know mama is going to listen to this um, as soon as it comes out. And my mama got on my ass earlier today about my mood and me throwing a fit and I love that you mentioned your breakdown this week and like what it means to like be able to like release some shit so that you can allow room for the joy. And I'm sorry, mama and everybody else that's around me 24 fucking seven that gets all of the releasing of the negative in my space. Like (laughs) it is what it is when we're just doing all of the life together. There's not a lot of Pam moments alone. So (laughs) Hey, it, I mean, it happens. It happens <laughs> with anyone you share your living environment with, right? Or you do life with you. They get so they get just, most of the release and not always a lot of the joy. So let's just let's take a moment right now. It's like, Mama, we have released it joy. for this joy. <laughs> yes, we're sending. We released it to get to this moment of joy. So we are sending, you know, the mamas and the, all the people that deal with us on a daily basis some some pumps of joy (laughs) and with that here is the final two parts of black women did it first this time with jamaica and india enjoy so i don't know pam if you want to start while i'm shuffling 
I will restate that and go back into it. Jamaica, you were going to say something Great. before I do restate that. What were you talking about, about um, you agree with Dallas? Being like the I space. We, we, yeah, oh. it's the space. Okay. It's the place. <laughs> uh, besides the fact, I do hate the fact that um, Dallas has made Oak Cliff Bishop Arts now and that Oak Cliff is no longer Oak Cliff. It is a very, it is, they're doing some very gentrified places that I'm not a fan of. But Dallas has my heart. But the Oak Cliff and Bishop Hart told Lil Shebang, no, you can't sing. Listen, the song was O-A-K-C-L-I-F-F. You can't sing that and say Bishop Arts. You cannot. So that is my rant about <laughs> Dallas. It is the only rant I have about Dallas is that Oak Cliff is one of my favorite songs. And you cannot sing the same way about Bishop Arts. I think that I think that, that is just a Texas thing. And we'll figure out how to like deal with this. But because even <laughs> in Houston, Houston's the same way. Oh, third yeah. ward wasn't third oh, ward. Yeah. Like, and it's just like the way that Texas oh, yeah. is dealing with gentrification. I'm just like, how can we pause for that and like not like fuck up people's lives, but still like live in these cities and do these things because it's really crazy to see in Denver. But with that, of thinking about like spaces and where we're expected to exist a certain way versus getting to exist the way that we want to, I feel that is truly joy. And this whole episode is going to be about joy. And I believe everyone is in agreement that we're just asking the universe. And this card reading starting today is like, we want our intentions to be joyful. We want to celebrate and recap this mini series and be able to celebrate the Black women that did it first, the Black women that inspire us from yesteryears to today, and the Black girls that we see changing the future of tomorrow. And with that, Erica, Definitely know that you've been set in the room and you've had a great day of like positive intention. So looks like a card fell out. Did you pull one? How'd this work? Yeah, no, she flipped. She flipped right out of the deck for us. So we got, oh, lighting's going to mess with me. We got Butterfly Maiden Transformation, which is one of my favorite cards. It's so pretty with all the little butterflies and her like rainbow butterfly wings, almost looks like stained glass as her wings. And there's like, it's hard to see, but this is all gold and there's like rock formations. There's even like this little evil eye in the gold. I don't know if I can get close enough, but um, and I think it almost looks like there's like a tree here, but the message on the card says you are experiencing enormous change right now, which brings great blessings. Um, let's see what else she has to say. Um, message from Butterfly Maiden. As you go through this period of change, it's natural for you to wonder if your future is safe. I'm here to assure you that you're part of nature's cycles of birth death and rebirth to bring in your desired newness. You must first allow old parts of your life to fall away. These changes are to be celebrated, not feared. Give thanks for the shedding of the old, embrace all of the lessons it brought and then let it go. Be giddy with excitement at the newness of the gifts that are now being bestowed upon you and let their magic surprise and delight you. Well, thank you, Butterfly Maiden. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Queen. <laughs> so set her up right there, looking at her. Jamaica in India, we are missing Travel for our close out. We may get a surprise visit from her. We don't know. 
but I think in prep for this call, we're talking about transformation and new cities and newness and life, getting ready to talk about joy. I did want to recap on the last few episodes in Jamaica. I'll let you decide. Do you want to start a recap from like the last one and we can go backwards from. (laughs) (laughs) India, I do want to know that I know I did you get if you didn't get to listen to part four, totally fine. But that was like your jam of space of mixture of spirituality and Christianity and I did have a moment I had to tell Erica afterwards I felt like I had been like preached it was a weird (laughs) like I felt like childhood fam like preaching because it was just this mixture of talking about Jesus and life and the government and the U.S. and the things that it impacts the way that people are trying to marry cultures it's just weird to think about the episodes before that you got to be on um What's your experience been so far as we recap before we go into celebrating some joy and talking about even more celebration? So, so when you say experience, like experience in what sense exactly? Like what, what's it felt like to have a random ass, like new community of folks to like, just talk about your life and talk about your experiences in 2020 to like then like the transition in 21 and like you live in a new place life all the things that we got to talk about so okay so that's what you mean okay um honestly it's been quite healing so it's it's funny because a lot of the stuff that we talk about some of the things that we touch on are are heavy you know they're they're heavy topics they're not always easy they're not the easiest topics to put words to those feelings you know but and finding that and having like this little community where we've been able to actually put words to some of those feelings has been pretty healing. And even though the, the conversations have been heavy, um, they've been able to shine a light on something that you don't usually talk about with just, you know, an everyday conversation with your friends because they are heavy topics. So even though it is something that can, some things can be a little bit, you know, they're, you have to sort of take some time and, and take some time to do some self-care after having some conversations um, and do some self-reflection and self-care. But that's the good part about it is that you're able to release it and get it out and um, heal with it. So yeah, I've, that's been my experience so far. It's been great. I appreciate you for touching on just like you, what the spaces that you've needed after it to then just like the healing part as well because it's not only been healing to get to express it, it has like changed folks. And I just think about my mama and like space of joy of like gratitude. My mom literally said, India, that this, these conversations would be what changes the world. Being able to hear women's experience and get to hear other people's stories of how they interact with the world. And we didn't have these like set agendas where we were on topic. It may be hard for some people to like follow whatever the case may be, but at the end of the day, getting to listen to people, y'all like getting to listen to you tell your story and getting to sit in that has been healing and transformative for other folks too. And I hope that you've gotten to rest and take some space because it has been some heavy shit. Jamaica. You've been too quiet. You're going to have to jump in. You've had some heavy hitters, like, and you did this course of this series with a lot of heavy shit, like, on your plate. You even went to a funeral, like, one day, like, right close to having to 
record and we had a lot two of different moments. championships <laughs> two different sports <laughs> yeah uh, we're no education deal. system in texas and like you've 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 taken time to like sit with new community as well like <laughs> you have to have something to say yeah this is no it's been a i agree 100 percent with india of just like yeah it's been hard but it's been really healing because you, you want to have an outlet to get it out. And sometimes just sharing it on social media isn't enough. You don't feel like you're like, you can voice what you want to say or have enough space to say what you need to say. And I think the biggest part for me was just hearing from like, from old classmates and stuff who have, who shared their joy in it, who shared their hurt in it, who shared just things that we haven't talked about in a, in a long time together, you know, of people just reaching out to me and just, um, I mean, I've had several people like text me and apologize and just, you know, of just dealing with their own demons inside of them from listening to us has been encouraging, but also just, just reckon them recognizing that, you know, of the way they played in my life and the part that they had in my life and the way that they still play a part in my life, whether it was in the past, the present or in the future. And so that's just been really encouraging to me through it all of just hearing people's perspective of it and how just what people take away from what we've been talking about and it's so different every time I talk to someone um but in the midst of it being hard and kind of you reliving trauma it's also just been refreshing to just kind of get it out because therapy is expensive and um and so uh it's just been a nice place to just kind of get that out and just be open and at ease and also just um just kind of where I am there's just not a lot of black women in my circle where I am and so it was really neat to join in with Erica and I'm not, <laughs> with India and uh Travel on um on these levels of just coming together and just being there for one another and looking out and just being like I don't know you I mean I know Travel but I don't know India that well but just be like I see you we see each other. I got your back and that I'm glad that we can walk this walk together. Yes. And not only is therapy expensive, but therapy is like, you have to find the right therapist. And <laughs> if you don't have the right therapist, there's some conversations that you cannot have with your therapist like, Absolutely. that we could have together, you know? So yeah. And by, when I, learned- I say that, I, I, I specifically mean as a black woman, finding another black woman therapist that I can have these conversations with um it's very difficult so yeah thanks for going there India because I was about to say that was something that was like heavy heavy in this series of learning like as a black woman how important it is to seek out black female or just like other black folks for healthcare reasons for therapy etc that was something that you've definitely opened my eyes to an understanding of what that looks like And I am so thankful that you've been able to help whoever even is listening of like, or that knows other black women, if it's not black women listening to know that those things are crucial as we continue to evolve in this space, it's detrimental actually, in a lot of instances. So I, I appreciate you for helping educate others of the importance of what that space looks like. Yeah, I will echo that appreciation uh, with a lot of gratitude from the bottom of my heart for 
all three of you, India, Jamaica, and Travel, who's not with us today, but, um, you know, weaving in and out of these conversations with us, it, um, it, I have learned so much and I know it's not necessarily your job to teach me, but I am 100% grateful that you are willing to have these conversations and let me be a part of them and learn from them. Um, because it is, it's for me, and I've mentioned this in like intros and outros and whatever before, but I want to reiterate it again. It's been the most impactful for me to learn from people's firsthand like accounts of their life from people really telling their own authentic stories. Um, because I always have felt like I love connecting with people. It's one of my favorite things is just genuinely holding space for and giving people room to share their truths, share their stories, and just feel like they're being heard. Um, and so I just, I find myself so grateful to be here and to be able to hear your stories and learn from them and hold the space for you. And to hear you say, you know, I know it's not let me see, see how I'm trying to say this to, to have you both say that you really love coming to this platform, to this table, to have these conversations and you feel comfortable here in this environment that Pam and I have created to have these truly authentic conversations about our real life experiences just makes me feel so whole and complete. Uh, yeah, I, I'm like stumbling on my words, trying to get it all together because it's just, that's, that's what Pam and I are striving for. That's what we wanted was to build a place where anyone could be comfortable sharing their story. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for doing this with us and continuing this conversation, um, and having these difficult conversations, um, because I know it is not easy. Jamaica, you to Erica's point, you hit on something that is super crucial to me for what the blunt and the curious actually means, because there is a part of reliving trauma that you have to do when you're telling your story, when you're telling your real life experiences and this series being black women did it first. And we're at a round table virtually and getting black women's firsthand experience of life. There's this knowing factor that Erica and I have of what there is going to have to be for you to tell your experience. It, it has to, it, you have to relive some of the trauma and telling those stories. We all do. And one of the first episodes that we released with the blunt and curious was talking to some of our non-binary friends and what their queer experiences looked like. And there's some trauma that has to be relived and telling those hurtful and painful things. And there's just so many open doors or talking about the black woman's experience. And I, my intentions for the blunt and curious and Erica and I's intentions are that in that space, that it's comforting, that you know, that you're being held, that we're not expecting of your retelling of that experience, that you're having to educate somebody else. I don't need you to be proper or to give me the resources or to help educate the other people, but like setting that platform so that you can just like exist, <laughs> tell your story and let that be. And Jamaica, you getting to like experience that it is changing people. It is actually making people think 
that is more than I could ever hope for. And so I hope that in, at least in this table of life that we get to, when we're doing these moments that it does feel at least like you're not walking away. Like you had to teach a seminar the next day. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's, it's, it's like a freeing thing though, of like, like I, like even Travell expressing how she felt with the first election for Barack Obama, like getting that out, you know, like, you need a space for that. So while you relive it, like this gave the space for us to like, while yeah, those experiences that we went through were traumatic, but sometimes so there's a lot of things that I hold in a lot and it takes a lot for me to express um, that comes straight out of my mouth. And so um, to have the space to do that, it was, it was still freeing in a sense of like, that I knew this was going to get to other people. And then if we don't share our experiences too, then then how do other people know that people are going through the same thing, you know? And so mm. that was it for me. Just, I, I, I had to hear other stories and other experiences for me to be comfortable enough to even share my stories and opinions. I mean, my stories and experiences. So, you know, I, in a sense, it's still kind of my like obligation to, to sit that out for other black women, you know, to be like, Hey, we're in this together. I've been through this. I see you. And, you know, when you hear more sim- it's like, oh, I'm not crazy. I'm not, I'm not just making this up. It's not just doing this that like, and so I hope that it's given black women just a sigh of relief and just a way to be like, I can, I can voice that. I don't have to sit back on it anymore. I can express who I am. I can freely and openly be who I am without X, Y, and Z happening to me. And so um, that's why that space was, was fine for me to ex- express those things because I felt comfortable enough to do them and that if even if I was reliving some of that stuff it was freeing to just to get out so I love that and I think that's a perfect way to like just go into black joy like doing this episode of like closing out this mini series I highly doubt it's the last time that we talk to the three of though those of you that have done this like whole series and I love the ebbs and flows and everybody's been able to work with each other's schedules, but going into the joy of, I personally have, and this is like that moment of, I'm going to take that space as the white girl. That's like had some healing and joy from this like whole moment of what the last few months has been with all of you is I needed to be in a space to know, like, and remember to hear other people's stories and like what the pauses look like and what life looks like. And just like, it's weird in certain cities. We actually like into introed into this conversation today about like cities are different. There's like different racism in certain cities across America and like how our day-to-days exist. And my day-to-day in Denver is very white. It is very white in a space of what I tangibly can hold on to, but that's not necessarily like a representation of what my space looks like. And I say white in the sense of like the white supremacist, like the heaviness of looking at a bunch of white men more than women of color or females in general or queer folks. Um, But getting to like have these moments of pause the last couple of weeks and just being able to sit with all of you has been like... Real people, real stories, like talking about the real shit that's happening, the good and the bad and the heaviness of all the days. And I don't know, I I love it. And 
I wanted to even think about like how I got here and Jamaica, you brought the topic for this week on black joy of taking the pause to celebrate. And I think about where I, my experience with black women and where it started and India, it is crazy that there is the reality that you are my closest first like black girlfriend. Like it wasn't like I was, I don't know that I would have been prepared with you. And we'll probably get into it later about like the black woman that changed my life and made me who I am. But I was, when I was thinking about Jamaica's like goal of talking about black joy and the black women of the future, the present and the past that make us who we are, you were my first black girlfriend, like of like being my close friend, like I met you and Shauna about the same time, I guess, of like friends that are close to me and still in my life today, but I hadn't ever gotten to be that white girl in Shreveport, Louisiana with the black girlfriend of personal like closeness, but you. <laughs> yeah. And so that go into, I was like, I was like, I just want to, I wanted to start this with like the gratitude and like starting of joy. And I love that we, you did this with us. And it was funny to get to think about as 14 year old, you were my first black girlfriend. (laughs) Oh my gosh. We had some, I I forget something I was watching the other day and well, I know what I was, I don't know what I was watching, but I, but whatever. Anyways, this memory lives in my head rent free. I'll never forget it. It's not going to embarrass you. I have, which I was thinking about one, but I'm not going to say, I trust me. I won't embarrass you. So (laughs) <laughs> do you remember when we went to go see beauty shop uh with me it was me you and your aunt we went to go see beauty shop <laughs> with alicia silverstone <laughs> i forgot and, and kelly did take us to go to because she wasn't she was in cosmic that was like post her cosmetology days and like before she went to nursing school in a whole mood <laughs> <laughs> and i remember <laughs> But where was one scene in the movie, I I can't remember what the scene in the movie was, but it was like where Alicia Silverstone, I can't remember what it was, something, something Alicia Silverstone, no, no, that's what it was when she was dancing on the black guy at the club and she turns around and she starts doing her little like shake her booty shake. Pam turns to me, she goes, India, I love this movie. reason it just at that lives in my head rent free because it's so funny to me that this was this was like our movie for a while and we would just like quote it randomly randomly quote quote you ain't trying to brighten up the place you was trying to whiten up the place place. (laughs) and I don't know why we would quote that I have no clue why that was relevant or why that stands out but it does anyways I Don't never say monkey that. bread the same way from that movie. I say, monkey <laughs> bread. <laughs> never again, Jamaica, never again. <laughs> I just think about that movie and then like not long after that, Lovers and Friends came out and Usher John and Luda and they they did do it again and they did it again and I can't not think about Rudy Huxtable. <laughs> I was like, y'all totally did that after that fucking movie for a reason. <laughs> but yeah, no, that was, it's, I don't know why, I have no clue why this, why this movie and you 
specifically live in my head rent free. I the movie is more funny to me because of my memories with Pam in that movie. That's like that is really what makes that movie so entertaining to me is Pam. Anyways, <laughs> I really appreciate that. <laughs> If I make, if a Queen Latifah or a Tyler Perry movie makes somebody think of me, I feel like I could die a happy <laughs> And it does. So, yeah. I mean, I, I really like the fact that we're having this episode of like Black joy and Black excellence and like Black women and like how Black women bring joy. And I think that this is a perfect example here. Um, and I don't know, I'm just going to jump right into it. I don't know if that's okay. I don't know if that's where we're going oh, conversation, no. but when I think of black joy and I think of like what it means, like what, like the people, like, so I have different, I have a different relationship with like black women who did it first and black joy, my relationship, it comes in different ways. So a lot of it comes from uh, my family. So first it's my mom and my aunts. Um, those are my first examples of like black womanhood and what it means to be both black and female. Um, and what I liked about my mom and my aunts is because my mom and my aunts, they exist on a spectrum of number one, of a spectrum of color. My mom having more caramel, not, not bright or fair skin, but more caramel skin. And then it goes, my aunts, some of them have a more deeper mahogany tone. Some of them are more brown skin. And then, you know, it's just, they're a spectrum of, of women. There's, it's four, four of them, um, but they all have their own personalities. Like, completely different personalities, but all of them, no matter what personality they have, no matter how serious or how, you know, intense or how uh, dramatic they can be, uh, they all have a sense of humor. And I think that's something that really unites in the Black community is that we have this underlying sense of humor that could, that's so much greater than any pain or anything. I think that we have to like realize that black people are so much more than the pain that it is, the, tra the trauma it is to be black in America because we have like our family units, we have our senses of humor, we have so much joy just within ourselves, just with the, just than being black, just because black is joy. And I think that um, that's what we live by. And so having my aunts, number one, as like an example of what black joy and black womanhood looks like, I was able to like really grow on that because they were black without asking asking for permission to be black right like they were just who they were and that really inspired me because that was like not only my first intro to like you know black womanhood but just womanhood in general like I didn't these were my people this was my who I was raised by so definitely them um that's why I like pay respect to as far as like my my greatest uh vision of black womanhood I think that I think I think of my mom so my mom is was very girly and I never really looked at her as being a very girly person until now I'm older. My mom is the type of person like she like she's passed away, but even going through some of the stuff in her room, she still had like a huge caboose of fingernail polishes. I think I own two <laughs> fingernail polishes, but my mom had a huge because she would like paint her toenails and her fingernails. She would put lotion on her feet every single night. And I'm like, wait a minute, I don't put lotion. Like she would put lotion on her feet every single night. She had soft feet, soft hands. She would curl, she would roll her hair at night. Like she just was all about self-care in a way that I didn't really realize that she was about self-care. And now that I'm in retrospect, I'm thinking about, I was like, oh wow, my mom really showed me how to sit down and like take the day off, you know, get sit down at night. Don't just, you know, take a shower and put on night clothes. 
lotion yourself, put lotion on your feet, lotion on your hands, make yourself smell good, you know, drink your bottle of water. Mom would like read her Bible, sit down and watch Jimmy Kimmel Live and fall asleep watching TV. <laughs> and like that, that's read like the Bible, her. watch Jimmy Kimmel Live to go to sleep. Yeah, yes. coming in winning always. <laughs> like it was like the, it was, it was the Bible um the nightly news and the Jimmy Kimmel because Jimmy Kimmel comes on after the news so that's what and like I still do I still watch the news and then Jimmy Kimmel I don't always read my bible and when I take a shower I don't always smell lotion I just go to bed ashy but that's fine <laughs> <laughs> but like black joy comes in comes in the simplest forms it could just be so simple you know and like how we just and just our routine throughout the day and my mom kind of showed me how to have this routine and how to like actually have a, a for a sense of self-care that I didn't even realize that she was showing me how to have you know I did not realize that Kathy had such a regimen of her femininity in a way yeah but I I think of her often because I personally feel I mimic her style yeah. even like and I think about temper sometimes with it like your sister for audience of listening um but I am very much a tank top and like capri style and some sandals. That is a mood of Kathy. Like to me, <laughs> that is your mom in my mind for forever. Is a like an appropriate blouse, like tank top blouse. Cause like it's hot in Louisiana. Yeah. And then she would have on like the perfect matching capris or like, like some kind of like bottoms that match perfect with her top. And then like perfect sandals makes sense now she lotioned her feet every day you better wear sandals if you take care of those feet like I don't know like and I think I thought about your mom today as we're getting ready for this and I'm thinking about like you being my first black girlfriend to like what it meant to get to know your mama and she loved me I don't know I mean and if she like that was just like my understanding of like Kathy loved me and like treated me like that for all of the times that we ever like got to exist in the same space to then being in community from us separately to then social media. I'm so thankful for Facebook for like things like relationships with your mom. But today I put on this really cute like tank top and it's like blouse style tank top like I could wear with like some work pants and a little like sweater and get away with it. But it just made me giggle because I don't know that I'd ever seen your mom wear sleeves. Like, obviously <laughs> there was winter times, but in my brain, she's just in a really cute, like blousey, like tank top. No, that's definitely and her. She's <laughs> definitely a, a, a short sleeve, something like, because she don't like being hot. Um, something, <laughs> something she can wear that's going to be nice and airy. And that's like, that was her. Like she always met, even her night. Like I didn't, even her pajamas would match. Like she even matched her. I'm the big, I'm like, whatever oversized t-shirt that I'm not gonna wear outside and maybe some panties, like. Maybe, it <laughs> may be. Let me throw that on. <laughs> but no, mama had like matching pajama sets. But no, um, outside of just like her own self-care routine and how she dressed, like she's, that woman right there was a mess how she would dress um, <laughs> she was mama what she taught me just about coming into myself and just being a black woman was it was such she had such a grace about herself and she was very modest about herself and in some ways I, when I was younger I used to think oh my gosh so I would look at other people's parents and I'd question why isn't my mom more like that or why isn't my mom doing this and I realized that my mom had like after growing up, I realized that my mom had 
something called class. So she didn't need to do certain <laughs> things that other people's parents were doing. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I was, a specific example, I remember I would hear some of my friend's parents, um, and actually somebody who we went to high school with, who I've known since I was a little kid, not, uh, my, not a good friend of mine. So not, I don't wanna, it's not my best friend that I've known since I was a little kid. Some girl who we were not friends, we were kids, we're still not friends today, but we've just known each other our whole lives. Um, so. <laughs> I know a few of those. It makes sense. Yeah. We're all small town folks on this. Ep- yeah, like, on very this call, small so We're small town folks on this call. We so all we're have coming. those. Yeah. The one that we yeah. were friends with and the ones that we weren't. And so yeah, this is the ones exactly. that we weren't friends with and what your parents Don't did. hate her. Don't hate her. But don't hate her. But nevertheless. It's just the mood. It's just yeah. So I remember whenever we were kids, I remember her mom was like, oh, she's doing this and she's in this dance class. Oh, and she's doing soccer and she's doing so well. And she was like talking to other parents and like we were, it's like, it was a thing where like the kids were all standing by our moms and it was like after some sort of service. And so we were all standing there just like gloating while our parents were like bragging on us. But my mom never bragged on me. Like she was never like, oh, India's doing this, and I have India and that, and India did this, yada yada yada. My mom would just would just stand there and smile and be like, okay, nice, nice, oh, nice, and then we'd walk away, you know, leave the circle or whatever, and go on about our business. And I would always wonder, like, well, damn, am I not like I'm in I'm in cheer and tumble, I'm playing soccer, I'm playing softball or t-ball at, on the church team, like. You could talk about me a little bit. <laughs> My mom never did that. But now I realize like that sort of like boastfulness, that's not cute. Like why do that? You know, like why n- normal people don't talk like that? You know, like you can, you can, there's one thing to like talk about your kid and be like, yeah, I'm really proud of, you know, she did this and I thought it was great, you know, like talk about your kid like that. But there's another thing to like brag about your kid in a way that makes yourself look like you're you know it's, it's a pretentious thing my mom was not a pretentious person that's what I'm looking for she was not a pretentious nope. person because she had way more class than that and she taught me that she taught me how not to be pretentious how not to you know just sit around and talk about stuff that doesn't mean anything so I mean she could be in, you can be involved in all the stuff you can be involved in but are you a good person do you treat people nicely are you you know what are you really doing are you giving back to your community like that's what my mom taught me to do so my mom would give her last and do whatever she could to, you know, just treat people the right way, right? And I think that that's what probably a lot of my friends' friends, a lot of my friends saw my mom, Pam. I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. she saw my mom. Um, my sister's friends saw that. They were they were always, my mom was a safe refuge for a lot of me, my friends and my sister's friends because she was always the open resource. She knew that we struggled in certain things. Like some of my sister's friends who dealt with teenage pregnancies, you know, they knew they could come and talk to my mom before they could go and talk to their parents. Because even though my mom was going to tell her, girl, keep your legs closed, but also she was going to help them, you know, and and guide them and give them some wisdom, make them feel comfortable and where they were at, you know, and pray with them. And so that's like where my, that's the person that my mom was. Your mom existed so far beyond like just that boastful space to the extent of even when you and I weren't as close, like junior year. So when I was, I was confused, ratchet church going like fucking mess as a human. Like, I don't even know what the hell I was doing at 16, but your mama would take the time to call my ass out, like in the most loving way, but just like to let you know 
I see you. Like, she saw everybody. I, <laughs> she, like, and she would definitely call. And I would, I remember you would go and sit in the car with my mom, and I would get so mad. I would get so mad because I'll be like, well, what did y'all talk about? I'm not telling you what we, and to this, like, to this day, well, she's, she's dead now, so she can't now. <laughs> but, but even then, like, even if I were to ask, even if she were alive today and I would ask her, mama, what were you and Pam talking about in the car? You got to ask Pam. I don't know. You got to ask her. She would never tell me what you guys talked about. I was so upset. Like, I still don't know what y'all talked about. So I really hope that you're about to get into that. If you don't mind, because I would love to know. <laughs> she was just always real because she was the one mama that like of just setting a space even outside of like the church environment of the people I had to tr- trust for my mom's safety and sanity to or just like my family having somebody like your mom for the moments of you referencing that you can't watch beauty shop and not think of me because of that moment. I love people. And I had that there was a space. And when we were in high school and it'd be like the first time of like having a mom, I could talk to about liking a black boy or like the boy that the other mamas didn't like your mama didn't hold back from how she talked to me like a mama about like anything, but it wasn't about color. Or it wasn't about just shaming somebody because of like how they grew up or how they acted. She just like talked to me as a human in those moments or in the space that like I was so fucking insecure and fragile. I didn't even know how to deal with your space, like your popularity or like you doing dance and like I didn't have those skills or like whatever and like not fitting in. I didn't know how to like merge those or reconcile that space because of my own shit. It felt like your mama was like still that space. And I think that more than even not telling you because of like, just, she was, she's a safety refuge. Like I'm like, as I believe in talking to our ancestors and our loved ones, like I believe she's still that safe refuge of like a person to talk to. I think it was more of the fact that she wanted us to fucking talk and like wanted us to deal with each other, which was really cool when we did get to reconnect in person in New York. And like, it was like, whoosh, all the emotions, like all the real shit. And like, oh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> she did. She absolutely, cause my mom, she would ask me like periodically, maybe every few months between the time that we like left high school and we actually reconnected what 10 years almost later in New York. Uh, she was like, so what's Pam up to? Have you, have you ever connected with Pam? Like, it would just be like every few months, every, like every so often, have you talked to Pam? How's she doing? Oh, I see her on Facebook. What is she up to? I love my, That's my moment of like where I've learned and how I've like learned to express black joy it was definitely through my mom and my aunts and just how they were able to do it outside of just my mom being a nice person she had a sense of humor that was you have to be quick <laughs> to catch it because she's because she's kind of quiet but her sense of humor was just always on point so yeah that's my blessing <laughs> and I will ask you in a bit later so you can think about it in moments but like how you live in that today even but Jamaica before we get to you I was like as I was thinking through this topic because you brought it to the table and like then thinking about the three of you India, you are my first like black girlfriend ever 
to be close, but it was like at the season start of high school, which was interesting. And then Travel, who isn't with us, was the first black friend, female friend I had at HBU. I did meet a guy like my our week when we were all like doing the freshman, like whatever they fuck make you do as a freshman, like the three days before school starts. I don't know. It's a waste of time, whatever. But Travel was the first black girl that I met in college. Which totally set a tone for a different way that I got to engage in what HBU was like. Maybe one day we can talk about that. But I think it's funny. I always forget that I met you after I graduated college, Jamaica. That <laughs> um, we're that much younger than each other. But thanks to friends in life. But going into that, like, I feel like I met you in a joyful space, even though I was a clusterfuck. Like, I always like wanted to set an atmosphere of fun, but still real because I lived in my shit. And so I don't know, but I'm so curious of like your joy and like you wanting to talk about this and take us there. Yeah, so I have a, and we can come back to like kind of the past and the future, um, but the present, I mean, I think a lot of black women just like India would say their mom of just, and like some, like some moms just have this mom to everyone um, and that was just it. Like I would sing, <laughs> I think my biggest goal is to move to the East coast because I was obsessed with the movie Annie. And when my mom made me do chores, I would sing it's a hard not life. And it was a dream of mine to move to New York. And I, I for some reason in my head had this thing that I was an orphan because my mom kept bringing all these kids over to our house. And I'm like, dude, you got kids. Like <laughs> you have kids like please just look at like I I'm your child but she and as a kid I didn't understand it so I'll just be dramatic and scrubbing I would go and find a toothbrush and start scrubbing the bathroom floor and stuff and be dramatic and um because she would just bring we had a um I think called the children's home in town and it was it's basically where parents still have custody and rights over their kids but they're just not at the time um able to keep their kids so they still have their legal rights to just stay at this home together and if the parents want them they can come get them and I mean every holiday every summer there was different kids and when kids came over to our house I had to sleep on the floor I was like this is my room like I was like this is my I got my own bedroom finally and I said I gotta sleep on the floor and so it was just that all the time that when people came over, like, and just like India was saying, like, I'm going to take no shit from nobody. If you came into her house, it was her rules and how it was. And she didn't care who you were or where you came from. You were going to abide by her rules. I remember this girl came over to the house one time and it was me, another friend and my brother. We were all sitting in the same room and she said she came by and my mom never let if guys came over. You sat in the living room together. We all just sat there together. Um, and this girl was over at the house who had quite the reputation in high school. And she walked by and she said, hey, such and such, y'all gonna leave this door open because I heard about what you're doing. So don't be trying nothing. And I said, and I just looked and I was like, did you just? And I was like, well, she's in the house. My brother's here. So I guess that's just who it is. Like, if you're going to be in her house and there's a male here, she's going to leave the doors open because she ain't having none of that. And she would literally be like, 
don't have sex because you will get an STD and it will kill you and don't have sex because you will get a baby mama and kill you. And my mom, um, and I'm going to say this because I don't think she's going to listen to this, but she had me at a very young age and had my brother, my brother's 15 months older than me. And uh, she went to high school in Longview. And at the time, Longview High School's women's basketball were the talk of Texas basketball, like between them and Duncanville, they were it. And my mom ended up having my brother at the end of her high school career and had me today after she turned 20. And to this day, if I go to Longview, they talk about her and her playing basketball. And the the way the offers that she had and just even people were like, I don't care if you have a kid, we want you to still come play for us. I don't care if you have this. She was just that good. And um and she gave it all up. She literally just gave it all up and said, I'm going to look after my kids. And she would tell me to this day of like stories she has with friends of hers that she walked with um, to like at the same age, they, a friend was getting like an abortion and that her friends still look towards her and are just like, man, like I see your kids and I like, you know, I, I applaud you for how you did it because I, I, I just didn't think I could. And just the way that she picked us up and she got back on her feet and um, just really rallied around us and make sure that we could have the best possible life possible. And um, just her circumstances did not look like she should give the life to us. Like when people see my life and see who I am, my life does not look like what her life actually was. And for me, like that's something I could just never repay back of just like my mom was kind of in home from home like in with my grandmother but they moved around a lot um and just it was just a bunch of chaos a lot of times and I am thankful that my mom tried to give me the best stable environment that she could and um and so that for me just really set a tone of to expect greatness and in my house it was like these are your expectations and I want you to exceed those expectations there's plenty of people out here who don't think you can read these expectations and I want more out of you. And she challenged my friends to be the same way. If a friend came over to the house and did not have those expectations or did not have anything going for themselves, she told me, you should not be hanging out with this person. Like, because this person is going to bring you down. And if this person is struggling or if this person is doing X, Y, and Z and they need you, that's one thing. But if a person is intentionally not trying to do well for themselves, you don't need them in your life. There's enough of that going on that you need to better yourself. And so my mom was just that person for me and and then I think the next like from my mom to both of my grandmas were just man like my grandmas were my heart man one's still living one is not and they just when I tell you when you see that image of like my mom always used to say like man she would beat me with an extension cord and she wouldn't do a thing to y'all <laughs> and it was just it's so real because my grandma my mom's mom man like she lived down the street from us and we would go there she would cook Sunday dinner for us she's been passed away since the summer of my freshman year of college and she was just a one that like if my mom tried to get on to us she would be like oh really that's what you're getting on to them for because I remember when you did this and so she would like just jump on her case because she'd be like no like they're doing well and she would fight for us and to this day I tell my mom, if Mary Alice is not cooking the dressing at Thanksgiving or Sam's restaurant is not cooking the dressing at Thanksgiving, I'm not eating it. And Mary Alice is dead, so therefore I'm not doing it. So get the dressing from Sam's or call upon the dead. I'm not eating anybody else's dressing for Thanksgiving or Christmas. 
And I, that woman could cook like nobody's business. Like I can still just taste it. We would have just dinners there every week. And she would just let us like, just go and live and just be, she would make us walk to the corner store and buy her, uh, her lotto ticket. She'll put it in a brown paper bag and we would send it up there. We'd give it to him. They would give it to his back. She would go, we would do her scratch offs. And it was just this like bonding moment we had, but both of my grandparents grew up in the civil rights era. So it was, it was neat to hear their stories and neat to hear, um, kind of how they just, they just took it on and just was like, well, this was it. I'm not going to be played the victim, but you know, I'm going to do the best that I can. And my, my dad's mom was a military kid. And so she finished her high school career, um, in El Paso at the Air Force Base, but grew up in Southeast Sticks, Texas, of Center, Texas, where like racism is still very, very alive. And um, the biggest thing for her is I just, I will probably get emotional about this side of it, um, but I, I really don't know a person who has the strength of this woman um, and the fact that she can, continue to live day to day like she does is a miracle. Um, my grandmother has seen a lot of things and has dealt with a lot. Um, my dad was killed in 2014. And my grandma has two kids, my dad and my aunt. And my dad was killed in 2014. And my, and my aunt um, passed away from COVID in August. And, <laughs> and the way that she rallies with us every day. And <laughs> I do not know another 72-year-old woman who will take shots and <laughs> treat me under a table every damn day and still show up for us every day. And, and just everything that she's been through has is just incredible. And she wakes up every day and she fights for her family every day. And anybody that ever, um, that I bring to my grandparents, she, their family, like she, she brings them right in and she is like, no, they're mine. And if she, and if I tell my grandma that someone did me wrong, you are out. Like you, you are out. She wants no part of you. And she, my grandma, when you talk about a ride or die friend, is it like, I mean, she is strapped, ready to go arthritis and knees and all. And <laughs> she is going to fight for her grandkids, like nobody's business. And, um, and she is just one of those people that it's just like, I don't know how you do it. Like, like so much, you've lost both of your kids and I'm sitting over here trying to figure out a way, but you're sitting here pushing me every day to, to better myself and to, and, and making me laugh and making everybody else around you laugh and still holding your shit together every day. And, um, and still, in, I mean, like for, for my, both my dad and my aunt's birthdays, 
she is inviting people over and we're having parties and she is wanting to celebrate life to the fullest and does not want to look back on anything. And on days when days are hard, she's just like, I keep going because I need my grandkids to keep going. And, and I'm just like, well, I can't stop because she's not stopping. And she is just one of those people that mama Jackie or grandma Jackie or whatever people may call her. My, my dad had seven different ex-girlfriends at his funeral and every one of them called my grandma mama jackie and and so my parents are not together have not been together since i was young and all of these women i still have relationship with because of my grandma and they all still like it is crazy i'm like what like we're sitting at these parties and I'm like oh I remember her from xyz I remember her and her kids from xyz and they all still rally with us because of my grandma and I'm just like first off black women just don't get down like that 90% of the time like it just doesn't happen and and for the fact that like all of these women to come together and be there for my grandma and she was a mom to all of them I mean um my (laughs) my dad's best friend and his girlfriend were having some issues. It blew up. And the girlfriend's mom called my grandma to come de-escalate the situation. I'm like, damn, this is your child. Like, why are you calling my grandma to intervene in your child's relationship? And so like, they just were people that are just like, man, they have just been through so much. And so when I think of the things that I share or the stories that I have that can seem traumatic to me, I'm just like, I, I don't I really just don't have what they have and I and I aspire to have that because I'm sitting here having breakdowns three times a week plus more on some weeks and they're still going day to day fighting for me and it's just one of those things that I'm just like man y'all are y'all are something else and the, the the joy that they exhibit the joy that my grandma and my mom exhibit every day from the shit that they go through and the shit that people say to them and do to them, I'm just like, man, if, if I can reach that one day, and if I, and if, oh gosh, if guys will help me, I have children one day, um, that to look like that, and, and that, that's the standard for me, outside of Michelle Obama, um, that, that is it, like, <laughs> we know my love for the Obama family, and Michelle Levon. Obama is one of them. Um, so like, I mean, if 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 I needed another one, I would call on Auntie Shell. And she is my spiritual auntie. I don't care what anybody says. And um, she she is she's just here. Like there is Sonia, grandmother, great-grandma, Michelle Obama. Like, no questions asked. And uh, so that is where the start of my black joy happens for just kind of like family and in present and in past uh, for me. I want to take a moment for your present joy, though, of a funny moment. I called you after the verdict was announced for the Chauvin case um, to talk to you about the joy of watching that man get handcuffed. And I was like, I was like, I need Jamaica's energy of angry, happy of like, what's going to happen next? And you had students (laughs) that were like, oh, Coach Brown has friends. (laughs) <laughs> they're a mess oh my it, gosh, they are a mess. 
<laughs> and so you talk about the one day or if you I watched a black teenage girl get to make I I you you do exude that joy today too and I'm glad that you like made me think about even the concept of being able to like take today to celebrate and to like sit in a space of like thinking about the past, the present and the future of that joy and celebration, because I don't know how your grandma does it. We talk about this often. I don't know how to do it most days. Like, and I'm not, I can't even, that's not even fair. It's not even on the same fucking conversation of like playing field. And here you are and you are doing it. I don't even know. And your mama every day <laughs> fighting it. Like, every day on just... day. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's a, it's a whole fucking mood. So we are in the middle of talking about joy and I in various ways and crazy that we're getting close to the end of the series. I feel like I really am thankful that Jamaica um, pointed out what this season of friendship looked like and to then wrap this up with joy um, feels really, really good. And I'm glad that there's still a little bit more left, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I can't wait to share the rest of it with y'all. It really, there's so much joy to be had here. Um, I just wanted to take a moment and point out because I'm pretty sure we've already discussed this, um, the connection to our previous generations. I think it's such a cool thing to think about and reflect on. Um, and I truly hope that all of us in this generation that are here meeting in this space, um, having these conversations in this mini series are healing some traumas of our lineage. I, I truly feel that. Um, I hope that others feel that way as well, especially others that are involved. Um, cause I, that just, I feel it in my heart space. I feel like we are, we're healing our lines. We are. And I know Travell did not make these last two parts, but before we finish out, when you get to hear in the following week, the last part i want to close with travel something you posted on instagram travel you're with us in spirit to what erica yes. just said of respecting our lineage just thinking of what we're here to do and the healing that is happening travel posted today a quote from kathy park wong i if i'm saying that correctly to live an ethical life is to be held accountable for history so friends that are listening in space, like uh, thinking of the lineage and just thinking of history and just being accountable, letting it go as Erica has talked about and just opening up space for the joy we have to let go of the icky parts too. Yeah, yeah, releasing releasing all the, the pain and the hurt and, or as much of it as you can to just make some room for more joy to creep in and heal that, heal that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm rambling now. Okay. So we're going to go, but done. we will, we will see you next week <laughs> with the second part of this joyful 
finale to our mini series. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Blunt and Curious. You can find us on Instagram at The Blunt and Curious Pod. And if you like what you're hearing, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Your support, ratings, and reviews help others find us as well. And again, thank you so much for taking time to go on this journey with us.